Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we are wrapping up, finishing our sermon series on Psalm 23. And as we've looked at the blessings and the comfort that our Good Shepherd brings to us, today David has a fitting conclusion to Psalm 23 as he reminds us that because of all that our Good Shepherd does for us, we can live with great confidence. We'll use Psalm 23, verse 6 as our sermon text today. Surely surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm guessing that you are familiar with the moniker con artist or con man. You've heard about those kind of people, right? Do you know, though, that that three-letter word con, do you know what it's short for? Do you remember? Maybe by the title of the sermon for today, you have already pieced it together. But a con artist really is a confidence artist. That's what it's short for. And I guess it makes sense if you think about it, right? Because what a con artist does is try to earn the trust, the confidence of somebody else so that they can then take advantage of them. So you might get an email from a prince from another nation who is telling you that for the low, low, low price of $1,000, you will get millions in return when that money can be released, right? We've also learned through social media that you can pretend to be something that you're not. Just in the last decade or so, we've learned about catfishing, right? Where you act like somebody else, you pose as somebody else, all to make some kind of advantage for yourself. Here's the deal. I googled con games this week and Wikipedia listed over 50 different ways that people will try to con you out of something in your life. They have been invented and reinvented for centuries, these games, to the point that we might say to ourselves, who can I possibly trust? You know the old saying, right? If something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Well, David would beg to differ in our words of the text today. He gives us a promise from our Heavenly Father that certainly seems too good to be true. But David wants you and I and God wants you and I to have perfect confidence in this promise from him that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So as we wrap up the sermon series today, we'll see that Jesus, our good shepherd, is our confidence. And in that, those words from King David, we will see, first of all, that he is our confidence by pursuing us with his love and then by providing our eternal dwelling. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, David writes. That word in the original Hebrew for goodness is the same word that's found in Genesis chapter 1. As God looks at the creation, after the days of creation that he made, he says, it is good. It is good. See, God is the source of all goodness. James wrote it this way, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. God knows what is good. And he knows how to bring what is good into your life. The next word David writes is the word love. It's been translated love or mercy or loving kindness. And part of the reason that it's difficult to get a handle on exactly what that word means is because it is unfathomable. Chesed, that's the original word in the Hebrew. 
And it is translated love or mercy or loving kindness because it's trying to hold on, to get an idea of why a holy and perfect God would care about unholy and imperfect people. That's God's love. That's his mercy. That's his chesed for all of us. It's easy, isn't it, to see God's goodness and love when things are going well in our lives? It's easy to look at the blessings that we have and say, yeah, God is good. There's goodness and mercy in my life. But what about the difficult times? What about the frustrations? What about the pain and the sorrow that we go through in this life? Is it possible at those times that God's goodness and love become unrecognized in our lives? That instead we fill our lives with complaints and worry and fear? You see, God knows even in the midst of trouble, how to use those things for our good. He still wants goodness and love for you even in the midst of trials. Yeah, those difficult times can leave our confidence shaken and can make us forget what God has done for us in Christ. So what if your confidence is shaken? What if life has gotten to, you, gotten to a point that you wonder if, if God really even knows what's going on with you? If God really even cares anymore, what, what do you do? How do you get the confidence back? There's only one place. There's only one place that we can go to get the confidence that God wants us to have in his love and mercy for us. And that's the cross of Jesus. Listen to how John wrote it in his first epistle. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That's your proof of God's love. He sent his only son to take your place. Jesus laid down his life for you and for me to prove his love and to give us the gift of life forever. Goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, David says. The original word in the Hebrew text really doesn't quite mean follow. That is not really strong enough of a word to translate that it follows us. It literally means to pursue us. The Hebrew word radaf has this idea behind it of chasing after. Isn't that a great picture? That God's goodness and his mercy, his love, chase after us. They pursue us. We're pursued by God's mercy. We're chased by his grace. The Bible wants you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God wants you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, his deep love for you and that he continues to bring that love into your life. It is as if that love is on our heels every single day. I know the word has a negative connotation in our usage today, But perhaps we could use the word stalking and understand it correctly in a good way. God's goodness and his love stalk us. They're right behind us. They're constantly pursuing us and pushing us to our eternal home in heaven. You see, the point is simply this. God's grace and mercy never gives up. It never gives up on you. It never gives up on me. It's God who wants you to experience his love in full forever. You want proof of that? Just consider Jesus and his purpose when he came to this earth. When I think about Palm Sunday and I think about Jesus marching into Jerusalem, riding into Jerusalem to the cheers of the people, to palm branches being thrown on the ground and cloaks being laid to make his way into Jerusalem, I wonder if Jesus couldn't have just said, this is good, that's it, I'm done. 
It's kind of his mic drop moment, isn't it, in his life? When people finally recognize him for who he is and Jesus could simply have walked away. How many other times in Jesus' life could he have said, that's it, I'm done, I'm not doing this anymore? But he didn't. I love a verse from Luke chapter 9 where we're told that, that Jesus' time, the time for his departure to heaven was coming near. And yet here's the phrase that Luke's gospel uses. Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Imagine that. Jesus knew fully what was about to happen to him in Jerusalem. Even as he rode in to Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday, he knew what was coming in the rest of the week. He knew what he was going to have to face. He knew what he was going to do to carry out your salvation and mine. And yet he was resolute in his sacrifice. He continued on his path. He was single-minded in his purpose. And those words on Palm Sunday, Hosanna, save us, that's exactly what Jesus came to do. That's how God's love pursues us. But there's a purpose that we behind God's love pursuing us and that is to provide for us our eternal dwelling. And that's what gives us confidence in our Savior. All along in this sermon series, we've been talking about the benefits of a good shepherd for their sheep. And certainly that's true of our good shepherd too. We benefit from the care that God has for us. When sheep are well cared for, there's blessings far beyond green pastures and quiet waters. And David brings those home in the last phrase of this psalm, doesn't he? I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Maybe when you hear the words God's house, you think of going to church on Sunday. That's God's house, right? We think about the place where we worship as God's house. But David makes it clear that he's thinking of so much more than just a place to worship for an hour or two. He says, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We'll be in God's presence forever. That's what Palm Sunday reminds us. As we see Jesus coming into Jerusalem, hailed as the King of Kings, as the Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, we get a small glimpse into the triumph that we'll celebrate next Sunday when Jesus leaves his tomb empty. The triumph of knowing our sins are completely forgiven. And as they worship Jesus as the Son of David, the one who saves, he is truly the hero of all mankind. It's good for us, isn't it, on this Sunday to think about Jesus' majesty, to see him as they proclaimed him on that first Palm Sunday? Because we know what's lurking right behind the praises on Palm Sunday, and it's trouble. Jesus is going to face the most unthinkable suffering that any human being has ever gone through. He's going to go to a cross where he is going to be executed in the most torturous manner that we could consider. That's, what's lying, that what's, that's what lies ahead for Jesus in the week to come. And what we'll look at in our Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday worship as well. And then we ask ourselves, why? Why did Jesus have to suffer all those things? Why did he have to go through what he went through? And we know the answer, don't we? It's us. It's us. We're the reason that Jesus went to the cross. Throughout this sermon, we've been comparing ourselves to sheep since Jesus is our good shepherd and we are the sheep. And, and maybe, maybe for a, a few times, you've maybe even taken a little offense at the fact that you're a sheep, that I'm a sheep. 
But the fact of the matter is, as we look at the characteristics of sheep, we can relate probably a lot more than we care to admit. Like sheep, we are often stubborn. Like sheep, we easily become lost. Like sheep, we love to stray, get ourselves into trouble. Doesn't it make David's words all the more amazing at the end of this psalm? Though we are like sheep, the good shepherd says, I'm bringing you home. You will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's only one way that God can say that. That's because our good shepherd finished his saving work. He finished his payment for sin. God laid on him the iniquity of us all, every sin, any sin, all sins. They're washed away in the blood of your Savior, Jesus, the good shepherd who laid down his life for you. You and I are forgiven. And because of that forgiveness, we know that God's love and his mercy, they're pursuing us all the way to the eternal joy that will be ours in heaven. You want to know what that heaven is going to be like? Try on these words from Revelation chapter 7. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's where your good shepherd is leading you, to the springs of living water where there are no more tears. Some takeaways from this sermon. Number one, Jesus' love for us was on full display as he sacrificed himself for our sins. That's what Jesus proves, that there is no greater love than laying down his life for us. Number two, he chases us with his grace because he wants us to live with him in heaven. Consider that. Even in the midst of difficulties and the troubles of this life, it's God who's pursuing you pushing you all the way to that home with him in heaven. Number three, we live with confidence every day because we will dwell in joy forever. Does that sound too good to be true? It's not. It's not. You can have complete confidence in a promise that God makes because God is faithful. He doesn't change. So everything that he says, he fulfills. So here we are at the end of our sermon series of Psalm 23 and over the course of the last five weeks as we've walked through the psalm, we've found once again the comfort that King David shares and the blessings that are ours through the psalm. We've discussed that Jesus is our contentment, that he is our comfort, that he's our choreographer, that he's our companion, and that he is our confidence. Before we wrap up, I'd like to show you just a little video of someone who exudes the joy and confidence of Psalm 23. And pray that as you read this psalm, as you think about the words of this psalm, God brings those blessings back into your life again and again and again. I love how she wants to get to that last verse so badly. Surely, surely, surely. And that's your hope too. Surely, goodness and love will follow us all the days of our life and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.